0: Good morning, Katie. How are you? I'm so good. How are you? I busted her mid-sip of her drink bottle. I think she thought it was going to be a little longer intro than that. I'm sorry. I thought you were going to do an introduction.
1: I was like, let me get ready and take a sip of water.
0: No, no, no introduction. Straight in, no. Um, So Today I have Katie Saltzman on my podcast, and Katie is host of Crying Burns Calories, but also this Radiant Light on Instagram. And you know what I was trying to th- when I was getting you on, I was like, how did I even come across your stuff? And I think it was in this time when I was unfollowing fitness culture, essentially on Instagram and your stuff kept popping up. And I have to admit it in the beginning, it triggered me. I was like, stop talking about fitness, stop this, stop that. And then your language came through And like I said, you're this, you just have this energy about you. And I was like, no, this girl knows what she's talking about. Um, So I had to have you on. I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how you came to this message and the things that you've learned along the way. Yeah, I'm so excited. Let's dive in. Let's dive in. Do you want to give a little intro? Do you want to give a little intro as to who you are? Sure.
1: My name is Katie Saltzman. I'm a personal trainer, nutrition coach. Like she said, I'm a podcaster, and I have this mission to change the conversation around health for women, to understand that, um, well, physical health is important. Look, I'm a trainer. I love working out just like the rest of us. Uh, Our mental and emotional health is just as important, and we're only approaching it from one aspect, and we have this generation of women that are completely burned out and unhappy with their bodies and have really low self-worth, and um, I just realized really early on in my fitness journey that I needed to shift that and change that. Um, and so I started my business and have been on a roll since.
0: So Katie and I just had a little chat off record and you did hair before this though? So how did, did you even get in? <laughs> <laughs> How did you yeah. even get into fitness then? What was your journey into fitness? Yeah,
1: so my journey into fitness was actually me struggling so much with my body and my body image. And I got into fitness for the wrong reasons. I was a hairstylist. I really had no... I mean, Katie 10 years ago was so different from me now. I like struggled with social anxiety, the worst body image, part-time hairstylist, no hopes, dreams, goals. And now I'm just like building this business that's like, just going to, you know, it's just taking off. So it's cool to see that when you're passionate about something, you just really like put your heart and soul into it. But I struggled for years and just up and down with my weight. I ended up at my heaviest as a hairstylist actually coming back from my move, I, I was telling her I lived in Australia for a year, had a little bit too much fun, um, came back at my like absolute heaviest. And I was like, I just didn't feel good. And so I went and I started doing all of the wrong things, right? All the hit training, like barely eating any calories, trying to figure out like, how can I lose this weight? And so I thought in my head, like how delusional I was, Personal trainers know something that I don't know. They have to, right? They just naturally stay lean. They have to know the secret. Um, and if there was one industry that a girl struggling with her body image should not get in, it's personal training. <laughs> it's like riddled with just comparison and competition, and it honestly like broke me. I ended up at my even heavier. I was like pushing my body like you wouldn't believe just chicken breast breakfast, lunch, and dinner. And never a a single person was never like, Hey, Katie, maybe, maybe we should do this different. Maybe you're doing too much, maybe do less, you know, no one ever really taught me about my body. I had to really go through a couple of hard years, losing my cycle up and down with my weight. And to really realize like, this actually isn't health. And I'm like, on my way to find my healthiest self, I actually uncovered the unhealthiest version of me. And it was that moment where I was like, "I gotta shift this. I gotta change this."
0: So, it's funny because one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about is the you've had a you've had a really big year, and I'm I gonna be really tra- <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna be really hard try hard not to talk like a big stalker here, um, but you've had a really big year. <laughs> One of the big points that I pulled out from that was, you know, the change of your environment, the change of Mm -hmm. what comes from changing your environment. And I mean, it's scary to think about changing your environment, but how so many of our biggest transitions and breakthroughs happen through that change of environment. So what was, you know, I guess, how did you go from realizing, okay, that's not healthy to then letting go of all those trends that you had? So heavily believed in or wanted to believe in, to letting go and actually learning to trust your body.
1: Yeah, I feel like mine came sort of in phases. You know, we we want things to happen right away, but when you're conditioned a certain way with diet culture, you're conditioned to believe things about your body. To you know, try different things. We're we're like we want the Amazon Prime, the results overnight right? But that doesn't, most of the stuff we're struggling with is mental and emotional. The reason we're doing things the way that we do is because we believe a certain way and changing our beliefs is really hard. Um, So I would say it went in stages for me, it was like learning and understanding that what I have been doing is not working at all. And it's not going to work if I continue to do that. It's not like, hey, there's just some magic pill or potion or diet that I haven't tried. I had tried it all it's not going to work. So I needed to do that. I needed to start to shift my environment. So just like you, I, I unfollowed people on social media that were really negative or very triggering for me. I tried to get out of the diet culture. I tried to shift my conversations in life, you know? So I was the girl that would always show up at different parties and events talking about gaining weight, losing weight, what diet I was on. I can't eat this. I can't eat that. And that's what everybody sort of knew me as. And because of that, they were they were saying that to me, right? That was the conversation yeah. that I'd had for so long. So I decided I was going to start creating deeper conversations and connections in life and actual relationships with people and ask them like, hey, like, what lights you up in life? What's going on with you? Like, tell me about that. And that started to shift my relationships, my environment. It started to shift my social anxiety, right? Because the reason I was always on a diet, one of the reasons I had social anxiety is because if I didn't feel like I looked like I was on a diet, I didn't want to go to that event.
0: Mm -hmm. So yeah, you just, yeah, you just pulled a really interesting point there, that social anxiety and the deepening of connection. And I mean, how would you define social anxiety? How would you, I think it's quite a broad term,
1: It is. And it's going to be different for each, like, like Mm -hmm. there's going to be different things that trigger each person. I have a lot of clients that deal with social anxiety. A lot of it comes down to uh, a body image. And I think ultimately a self-worth image. I did a podcast on this not that long ago, but I think body image for women is the biggest stress that we put on our bodies every single day because it's underlying, right? It's not one of those instant things that we can see where we open up our bank account and all of a sudden it's like, oh my gosh, my bank account's really low and that's a stress, or there's a deadline at work. This is an underlying stress of waking up every single day and not loving what we see in the mirror, making negative comments, having negative thoughts, comparison on social media. It is going through our mind every single day. And it is an underlying stress in our body that we haven't really dealt with. So I think no matter what extreme of social anxiety, a lot of it comes back to um, body image and ultimately self-worth believing that our worth and what other people think of us and how we interact in situations is based upon the way that we look. And it has nothing to do with that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's something that I work on with my women as well that, you know, we can talk about the diets, we can talk about the exercise, but ultimately if you don't believe that you're worth looking after yourself or even just showing up in a space, you're not going to put the habits in place to get to that. What's the one thing that a woman can do if she is constantly looking at herself in the mirror every day? She knows that she has to unfollow diet culture. She knows that she's got (laughs) some stuff to unlearn. Like what's the one thing that she can do to just make that decision neutral rather than knowing that she'll flip from hating herself to loving herself overnight?
1: Yeah. Um, so I think, I think number one is just being very honest with yourself And understanding that who you are now is who you are going to be 10 pounds less, 20 pounds less, 30 pounds less, that is not going to change who you are. And I don't know about you as a coach, but for me, my biggest nightmare for my clients is to get them to lose the weight and then still hate their body, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, we can have composition change. We can have physical goals, but we're going to do that while improving your relationship with food and improving your relationship with your body. So it's understanding that it is not external that has to shift. It is internal that has to shift. We think once I lose the weight, I'm gonna have a better body image. Once I lose the weight, then I'll heal my relationship with food. And you have it flip-flopped. You have to start to respect and love your body. You have to start to heal your relationship with food and the other things will happen, right? If you focus on the mental and emotional, the physical becomes easier. Absolutely. I did a post, um, I did a post yesterday where it was. Focus on your mindset as much as you focus on your move goal. We're trying to hit our move goals every single day or our Fitbit goals, whatever they might be. When was the last time you put that much effort into shifting the way that you think every single day? We haven't ever. We haven't learned how to. Um, so I, I think that, look, there, again, there's a lot of different recommendations that I would make for my clients. as, as like what the right thing to do is to start to shift that mindset again, number one is going to be total honesty with yourself. Number two is really just like starting to show up as that person. You have to start to shift the habits, the behaviors, and the patterns. And one way that I explain it is, look, it starts with our thoughts. Our thoughts create our actions. Our actions create our outcome. And we're always trying to go after that outcome, that last piece. But really it's the way that we think and believe every single day. That's, that's why we do what we do. So it really has to start shifting there. And a lot of it has to start with as soon as you wake up in the morning, right? How are we shifting our routine? Like it, it really is like switching up patterns and it's going to be hard at first. It takes practice. It's not the sort of thing where you can just like say affirmations in the mirror and like that feels awkward, right? When people are like, oh, just say affirmations. To me, Look, I'm not like downing affirmations, but they're kind of BS because you're like, I love my body. And you're looking at a body where you're like, I don't love my body. So why am I saying this? Um, but really focusing on what your, I don't know, have you ever heard of like body neutral statements? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So focusing on what your body can do instead of the way it looks, like our body is an instrument, not an ornament. So really focusing on how your body, like what your body can do every single day. Like, Look, you got up this morning, you went for a walk, maybe you did mobility, like how strong your body is, how confident it is. Maybe you love the way it looks in a certain outfit. So, starting to um, change that, change the even like wearing clothes that are making you more comfortable, all of these things are going to make you obsess less over your body. Um, and I think the last thing, maybe I'm going on too much of a tangent. No, no. <laughs> the last thing is whenever it comes to your health, whether it is your nutrition, whether it is your fitness if you focus on what you can give back to your body, instead of what you can take away, it will completely change your mindset. And not only that, but it will change your outcome. So instead of saying, I'm going to only eat 1200 calories, I'm going to cut carbs. I'm going to see how many calories I can burn. Let's see, you know, how much weight we can lift. Let's see how consistent we can be with ourselves. Let's see what we can add to our meals to keep us satisfied. So we don't want to binge at night.
0: Yeah. Yeah. There's some big things in there. And I want to go, yes, you did go on a tangent, but I think everything in there was amazing. <laughs> so the thing you I was said. Like, her, I don't know
1: how to answer this simply.
0: It's not, it's not. Like, think about like think about the industry we're in. If it was simple, the industry wouldn't exist. So this whole being at peace with the self and that morning routine, it's something that I was reflecting on last weekend. Is that we don't know what to do with the space. So we scroll on social media, we consume Netflix, we do all that sort of stuff. And again, it's well and all well and good to go. Okay. I'm going to not spend so much time consuming, but then all of a sudden we are left with our own thoughts. We're left with that. Like I said, that space. Mm -hmm. So I think the issue is In we have we don't get we don't get taught what to do with that space we don't then get taught how to sit with it how to understand it how to want to or yeah how to change it or how to have that conversation with the space
1: we don't know how to be with ourselves no yeah and And so because most of the time we don't want to be
0: no we definitely don't because (laughs) that's again it's been that space that those thoughts come in so well yes obviously social media and consuming has a role in this it is I think that then it comes down to being able to sit with yourself and just holding yourself with where you're at and so if it you know if you're in this place where you're this isn't working for me I know it's not working for me I know that these habits that I have aren't healthy but there is this extreme distaste and discomfort, and it's out. It's always come. It always comes back to our appearance. And I love what you said about it. It's a a woman's biggest stress. What did you do to sit with the space?
1: uh that's a really good question, and I feel like that hits home a little bit different this year because I have had to take a lot of space this year. A lot of life changes. So, um, I would say more recently. I just some backstory, I moved from Detroit to Denver, I like literally packed an SUV drove across the country, I went through a divorce, I needed to just start a new chapter in my life. And I didn't realize how much I was pushing stuff down and how much I was distracting myself in life until I got to Colorado. Look, I moved to a city where I knew nobody. So I didn't have things to distract me. I had social media, but that was it. Um, and I really had to learn how to feel and how to heal. And I realized that the more you feel, the more you do heal. And even though those feelings are uncomfortable, the more we can get them out and the more we can work through them, the better. Um, I, I think there's a big part of this healing process, like whether you're healing your relationship with yourself, whether you're healing from trauma, Um, you know, for me, it was sort of coming out of an abusive relationship. I had a lot to do, but no matter where you're at in your healing journey, there is the part of sitting with it and feeling and being with yourself. Right. But then there's also this part of like recreating. And I felt really stuck on this healing journey because all I was doing was sitting with my feelings. And I think that there's a lot to say about that. Like, it's okay to be, to do that. You need to do that. We need to feel, but there's also this other part where it's like, we have to create more fun and freedom in our lives, you know, from fun and freedom from just our mind in general, right? Because the amount of thoughts going through our mind every single day will drive us crazy enough, but just freedom in life, having more fun in life, you know, having more play in life as adults, we forget to do this. And that's one thing that I started doing this year is yes, I was sitting with that space, but I was also creating these new memories. So I wasn't getting as triggered and I wasn't sitting with my emotions as much. I was moving through them by doing both of those things. And I think that was really helpful.
0: It's funny. I think you and I have a lot of similarities. When I first moved to South Australia, I, I didn't know anyone. Like I was like, oh, well, if I don't like it, I could move again. And here I am yeah. six years later. Um, it's in, It's easy for you and I to say this though, right? Like, it's easy for you and I to say, now that we're out the other end of that, to go, yeah, just do Mm -hmm. more fun things. It'll work out for you in the end. A client that I'm working with. Just do it. Just (laughs) Just move across the country. It's easy. (laughs) Um, A client of mine that I'm working with at the moment bought herself some colored pens and started drawing or doodling. and she was so scared she's like my husband will find out you know I'm not as good as a drawer as my children like they're so artistic and so again I think when we say you need to do more fun things and step out and start creating for yourself you see the big things you see us going to concerts you see us moving across the country you see the really big glamorous things, but it could Mm -hmm. be as little as getting some colored pens and being comfortable with the drawings that you're doing on paper, like starting small, right?
1: Of course, start small, start just like reconnecting to things that bring you joy. One of the, one of the questions that my, I was working with a self-discovery coach and she asked me, she was like, when was the last time that you had fun? And I, and I, in my head, I, I couldn't think of an answer, which I felt embarrassed about. I was like, I didn't really realize we still had fun in our thirties.
0: We're adults. We're um, not allowed to.
1: Yeah. And the last time I could think about having fun was like when I was like dancing with my girlfriends when I was younger. Right. And she's like, well, what was the last time you danced? And I like, I don't know. I can't remember. So I started adding dancing back in, which has like been so much fun. And that could look like dancing around my house in the morning. Like nothing will bring you more joy than having a hype playlist on your phone or your Spotify and putting that on and just dancing to a song or two, like just moving your body, reconnecting with your body, like just sort of shifting again, shifting your environment, shifting that mindset. Um, I ended up taking like a beginner hip hop dance course just because it was such a cool way for me to connect. But even small things like that, starting with Three minutes a day where you're just sort of dancing, like however your body wants to move, and don't judge yourself and just have fun with it.
0: So that's your secret to your Instagram. You went and did a hip hop class. <laughs> <laughs> See,
1: that's it's shifted into my business though. Yeah. Because when yeah. I used to be on Instagram, I used to try and show up like everyone else, right? Yeah. Redoing everybody's reels. And That worked to a certain extent, but it wasn't me. And finally, I'm like, I have to show up as me, which is silly and goofy and dancing around on my reels. And now you see it all the time.
0: Um, Again, I was listening to one of your episodes recently and you were defining perfectionism as blending in with everyone else. And Mm -hmm. I like that was that penny just dropped and exploded and rolled and (laughs) had this big flow on effect. And so we're so scared again to do the thing in fear of judgment, in fear that we're not going to be good enough. But in yeah. that instant, all you're doing is comparing. Yeah. So then what's on your hype list? What's on your, what's on Katie's hype playlist? Oh.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is going to be a whole lot of random, but nothing will get me more hype than like early 2000s, like, yeah, <laughs> like you got the Nelly, the ludicrous, but then it also will have like, Beyonce, Whitney Houston, you'll hear a little bit of everything on there.
0: We were talking about um Beyoncé and Taylor's recent album at the gym the other day. Yeah. And yeah. like we talk about transitions and we talk about how uncomfortable these phases are. Yet we wouldn't be listening to the music that we listen to today and loving the music that we listen to if these women hadn't gone through these transitions and been okay or the transformations and been okay with then putting it live for the rest of us to hear and share in, Yeah. Like think absolutely. about how different Beyonce's music is from the early 2000s.
1: From what it used to be. Yeah. It's giving yourself permission to change and shift and be different and do things different. And, you know, to bring it back around to like the, the perfectionist is, I think, dropping that and, and really stepping into like, if we're tying sort of perfectionism and self-worth together. I think one of the saddest things for me to see is that there's so many women not being their true authentic self, right? We're scared to look a certain way, to be a certain way, to be different. When what's amazing about all of us is that we are different. Our personalities are different. Our bodies are different. The way we think is different. And it doesn't make you different. It actually makes you amazing. And the more you can embrace that and show up, like drop these chains of who you think you should be look at 35 years old, 35, I moved from Detroit to Denver. I went through a divorce. I literally reinvented my life, which was the scariest thing in the world. And I, and I, this was not sunshine and rainbows. I had so many breakdowns throughout this whole process, but it's allowed me to share
0: with up- the listeners what the big one was.
1: <laughs> what, what the, Oh, with the moving. Yeah. Yeah. So not only did I move across the country, but I um, packed all my stuff up on this moving truck in Michigan and drove to Colorado, so naive, with a giant smile on my face, expecting my stuff to show up. Um, I was supposed to be there in six days, and the moving company stole all my things.
0: I That's just... So, and I, again, remember this, you were sitting in your apartment on the floor with nothing, and you're like, I, ha- I have nothing, like, yeah. I have
1: nothing, Yeah my biggest fear in life, I think would be losing everything. Like I had this beautifully furnished place in Michigan to the point where it was worth like paying to move across country as opposed to selling it all. And it was almost like the universe didn't want me to bring anything from my old life. They were like, "No, sis, you're good.
0: Isn't (laughs) that the most beautiful and painful message all wrapped in one?
1: Oh, it was, it was the hardest thing. It was so painful But what the life that has been created out of that, it's like not only did I have nothing from my past life, but I really had to like sit there. When I say I had to sit in my feelings, like that was the first time in my life where I had to face all of my demons. And it was the worst and best thing that's ever happened to me.
0: How badly did you just want to run back or go back and turn around? Was there any point that you?
1: I called my mom crying. I'm like, I'm packing my car, I'm just going to pay pay to get out of this lease. And I have to come home because it was, it's scary. It was so scary. Um, but I stuck it through and I could not be more grateful now that I did because Denver is just amazing and incredible. But the first couple of months, uh, were just one giant road bump.
0: (laughs) How did you know to pick Denver? What was so special about Denver?
1: (laughs) I wish I had a good answer for this. (laughs) I had never been (laughs) It's so wild. I had been to Colorado maybe like an hour outside of Denver, I went on a little girl's trip to like a mountain town. We got an Airbnb, but I'd never been to Denver, but I, it was either Denver or Austin. I don't know why those were the two top places to move. And I felt like I was being called West and there's not even that cool of an answer. I just, I took like a massive risk.
0: (laughs) I was the same. People are like, how did you move from Sydney to Adelaide? I was like, I literally threw a pin on a map and I was like, let's, let's just go.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I don't think, I don't
0: think people understand when you are And it was crazy because I was surrounded by my family and my friends. Like I was so loved, but I had never felt more alone. And so you just do what you need to do to reinvent yourself or just drop the chains. Like you said,
1: I feel the same way. I felt really alone in Michigan, even though I have amazing family and friends. It just I was living a sort of a past life that it wasn't meant for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, again, people aren't going to do the drastic thing like we did and drop everything and move, <laughs> move to the other side of the country. But you can still have these really beautiful breakthroughs and transitions in staying where you are. But you have to, there has to be some sort of change. And this comes mm-hmm. back, I think, to originally what we were talking about, changing our environment. What happens, you know, we're going to the gym, we're going to work, You know we're living that healthy Mm -hmm. hamster wheel life. In all the boxes. In all the boxes. How can we dip our toe in the world of change?
1: Yeah, I think it's understanding that life is not meant to be to check things off a to-do list every single day. There's one thing I learned this year, life is meant to be lived fully and unapologetically. And if you're doing anything other than that, you're missing out and you're missing a huge piece of it. So how can we step away from that to-do list? How can we do things different? How can we just be instead of doing all the time? How can we create more fun and freedom? And again, that's going to look different for each person, right? Because we all have different you know, obligations and things we're doing. Some of us, some of you listening might be, A full-time mom with also a full-time job and kids to take care of and all these different things, it's going to be hard for you to just create all of this space, but how can you create moments and little pockets in your day where you can create more enjoyment? How can you set a boundary and schedule a couple hours for yourself where you're not going to Costco to check something off a to-do list because that will eventually get done? But how can you do something for yourself? Maybe you take yourself on a date to a new coffee shop and just sit there and read a book or journal. You know, maybe you go sign up and take a random dance class with a friend just to go laugh for an hour. How do you create these small moments of just change and shift and fun and freedom in your life and then build on that and in six months, you're gonna be like, gosh, that is so cool that I've created this new thought and belief and way I do things in life.
0: Yeah. It's funny that you say that again because I have I have a group program and I have women in there that have been in there for over a year and I have women that have been in there for, you know, three months. And the women that have been in there for three months, are like, oh, but these women are doing all these amazing things. And I'm like, Yeah, but they're 12 months ahead of you. They're 12 yeah. months of finding those moments of joy. They're 12 months of finding what time looks like carved out for themselves. Again, that comes back to that comparison and coming back into where you're at. Um, yeah. And, yeah, it's again, the same in the same conversation, I ask them what they think they should be doing. So, you know, and often a mum will say, oh, you know, I want an hour a day to myself or I want mm-hmm. to be able to have just it's a, usually a really big chunk of time where I don't have to be talked to or touched.
1: Yeah. I'm like, cool.
0: Well, instead of an hour, what does 15 minutes look like? You know,
1: yeah.
0: we always see the end goal, but not the steps to get there.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, yeah. And so even in you moving across the country, you had to plan the mover, you had to pack the stuff, you had to make sure the car or tires were pumped. Like there are steps that you had to take to get there And when they're that checklist, it's easy. It's easy to go, oh, yeah, cool. Mm -hmm. That's what we have to do. But in that planning for the big goal, it's still okay to break it. It's still okay to break it down into a checklist, but you still have to remember to live.
1: Yeah. And you're right. Sometimes we're setting the goal too big or too high. You know, we don't need to create two hours in our day. It's just something small. Mm. I tend to work with a lot of like really um, like high functioning go getters with women. And I try and create space for them. And it's like, look, if you took 10 minutes on your lunch hour and went for a walk in the sunshine, like how good would that feel? like, that would feel so good if you took 10 minutes away from a screen and just went for a walk in the sunshine to just be with yourself and take a little bit of a break everything would still get done. And if you don't do it, everything will still get done too. But how cool would it be to have these little bits of time where you put yourself first and like something like that can like kick, like shift our nervous system, right. From that fight or flight stress date to all of a sudden we have a little bit of serotonin being released. We're feeling a little bit better. The day doesn't feel like it's dragging on as much because we just took a moment of intention for ourselves.
0: Yeah. Yeah. What's your moment of intention? What's your like non-negotiable other than the dancing in the morning?
1: <laughs> yeah. So my non my non-negotiable is always going to be my morning routine. I should start creating that at night as well and be a little bit stronger with that. But for me, it's very much how I start my day is how I end my day. And if I start my day like scrolling social media and all the things. Like I'm likely to just create that pattern throughout the day. So I have this rule where 30 minutes in the morning and 30 minutes at night, like before bed, I don't pick up my phone. I don't bring my phone to bed with me anymore. It gets plugged in across the room. That was really hard for me, but I was a, I was staying up so late scrolling. So I had to set that boundary. Um, So no phone within 30 minutes of waking up. And I do like 10 minutes of mobility, kind of do that as I'm drinking my coffee or my tea, Maybe you throw on a song if I feel like dancing around, but that right there is, is my moment of intention. That's more important than the moments throughout the day.
0: Yeah. Do you know, it's funny. Cause that was like, again, that was one of mine, I think being single living alone. And so mm-hmm. it's that I felt safe, almost having my phone yeah. connected, constantly connected to me or connected yes. to my bed almost. Um, but it's not connection.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, Um, I I would agree. You gotta pick and choose. You gotta be safe.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's not not safe. Not like I'm not yeah, yeah, turning it off and throwing it away. But it's yeah, that it was there was definitely a connection to my phone because I felt like it was yeah. yeah.
1: I think a lot of yeah. I was just gonna say one more thing. A lot of women, you know, our relaxed time, especially if you have a family, is at night. And that looks like, hey, maybe you're having a glass of wine, you're scrolling social media, you're watching your favorite show. And maybe that turns into two or three shows. And not that I'm, I'm not saying that's wrong, right? And there's, I'm not the coach that's against having drinks or anything. But if that's what we're doing every single night, and it's not serving us, and we're still unhappy, and we're still stressed, and we're still anxious, is that time spent really serving you? Or should we say, hey, I'm going to set a limit of like 30 minutes or an hour of scroll time or TV, and then go to bed earlier. And then maybe you wake up feeling so much better. You wake up before your family, before your kids, you have moment for yourself in the morning and all of a sudden your day gets a little bit better. So it's like, how do we shift the time that we have to maybe switch it up to make it work for us a little more?
0: That's so powerful. Yeah. Um, Again, because I think as soon as we say you can't do that, it's like, well, no, this is my thing and I want to do it. Okay. Yeah. It's my thing. Well, we're not saying you can't do it, but we're just asking you to reflect on, is yeah. it serving you? Is, is it serving it- you? Yeah. Um, I have a couple of questions for you, if yeah. that's okay. Just let's get to know Katie questions. Love it. <laughs> um, What was the most unexpected thing about moving to Denver, about feeling home in Denver?
1: Getting my stuff stolen. <laughs> 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 the most unexpected thing you could possibly imagine. Um uh, honestly, outside of that, uh, the most unexpected thing, probably the weather, to be honest, which sounds weird. In my head, Denver winters were gonna be terrible. And they're so much better than Midwest. Look, if you're familiar with the Midwest in the US at all, like. Our summers are beautiful, but as soon as November hits till April, it is cloudy. We don't see the sun. It starts snowing and the snow just gets plowed to the side and it just keeps going. It is like gray and gloomy and nobody is happy. And in Denver, we get 300 days of sunshine a year. So it will snow, not as much as the Midwest still, but it will snow. But the next day it'll be like 50 degrees and sunny. I don't know what that is. (laughs) I can't switch. But um, it, it'll be like 50 degrees and sunny and beautiful. And so it's just, yeah, The it has to it be cold.
0: But as long as the sun is shining, I think it's OK. Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, what's one book every woman needs to read?
1: Oh. So this might be a little deep, but it's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. Love it. Have you ever heard of
0: it? Yeah, I've read it.
1: Yeah, yeah. So that's a really good book. Um, I'm somebody that's held that held a bit of trauma in my life. And I held that in my body. And and I didn't realize it until I was probably in my 30s, how much I had to release and heal from um, trauma throughout my life. And that book is really eye opening. Um, So I think it's really important because we've all been through things and it's so easy to push it down. Um, But again, the more we the more we feel, the more we heal.
0: I just want to have a little disclaimer there. When Katie and I talk about the word trauma, it doesn't necessarily have to be a really big event that, Mm -hmm. you know, society would deem as trauma. They are redefining trauma as an event in which you have gone through and not felt supported. And so that can be um, anything from workplace bullying to obviously domestic violence and um, accidents and bigger events, but it doesn't have to be quote unquote, a big event. It can just be yeah. that event that you don't feel, um, like I said, supported in.
1: Yeah. It can be a micro trauma, right? Just yeah. like patterns that you've had your whole life. And maybe even like me, I have an amazing family, but there are patterns and traumas that I went through in my childhood that helped me. Well, that did, I wouldn't say they helped me, but that created some negative patterns in my adulthood. Yep.
0: This is funny, this is one of those things. Um, when I moved, again, I have the most amazing family. My mom grew up giving us everything. and, yeah, moving away was the best thing that I could do in terms of being myself and sort of releasing them. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be dramatic trauma. Um what is what's your number one TV show at the moment?
1: Oh, gosh. okay. Have you seem love is blind.
0: I haven't. I haven't. I know what it is, but I haven't.
1: I don't know. It's funny because I'm not a dating show person at all. Like the bachelor, the bachelorette has never interested me, but Netflix with love is blind. It's gold. There's three seasons. This third one, the men were horrendous on, but it's like, so it's such a cool concept because it really is like you, you meet people in these pods, right? So you can't see somebody, you're falling in love with them based on their personality. And then like you fall in love with them. And you go on all these dates based on their personality. And then you see the person and it's like, is this going to work out or not? So it's, it's a really cool concept. And I love it specifically because like, I love connection. I breed off of connection with people. And um, I'm not a surface level person, right? I like deep. I like that. I think it's the reason why, like, I'm not on any dating apps at all. I have yet to get on them because I don't love the idea of swiping on someone based on the way they look. And I don't want <laughs> someone to do that for me either. Yeah,
0: exactly. It's funny. I, like, I have recently gotten back on and I'm really trying to consider getting back off. And I think you've just made that decision for me. But That's it's so funny, fun. like, when I'm swiping, I'm like, what are you not showing? Like, who is this? Like, this is the face that you've put on. Yeah. Like what's underneath that. And that's yes. that's what I'm looking at and trying to guess what I'm
1: a hundred percent. I'm I'm with that. And I I don't know. I just can't. Everyone's like, you would kill it on a dating app. I'm like, I don't want to. It's not kill the it on goal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Look, I don't have the capacity to have that many surface level conversations. I no. just don't.
0: No. Yeah. Um cool. Is there anything else you want to add? Um Honestly, I think just
1: you have mostly women listeners, right?
0: Oh, there's think... definitely a couple of men. Okay, <laughs> and that's they're okay. They're always like, you need to talk about men more often. I'm like, I don't, but thank you for listening. And if you're listening, <laughs> I, thank you for listening. <laughs> I have
1: men say the same thing. Um, so I think to any woman listening, I just want you to give yourself permission to live life fully and to be who you are and understand that your health is a combination of physical, mental, and emotional. And the more you can address it as that, um, the more you'll step into your happiest, healthiest, and confident self. And we all deserve that.
0: Yeah. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you so much for joining me um, in this. I'm going to say is it after, it's obviously afternoon where you are. Yeah, it is. It's actually 2.30. You got it. You. Um, but morning here where I am. So thank you so much. And yeah, thank you for bringing your message to the world. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I should probably mention that if you want to, like, if you're not following Katie on Instagram, you should absolutely jump over to her. What's your handle, Katie? It's Katie Saltzman,
1: Katie with a Y. Um, maybe we can put it in the show notes. Yeah, but I'm absolutely. Not spelling it out yeah, yeah. On your podcast. <laughs> I'm like, S is in Sam. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: um, we absolutely.
1: Then, yeah, my podcast is Crying Burns Calories, and it's just, the space where like no topic is off limits, health, fitness, relationships. But the biggest thing is we talk a lot about how the weight that we need to drop isn't usually the weight on our bodies.
0: Um, Katie's podcast is like most of her episodes, a little bite-sized episode. So if it's something, again, that you just want to dip your toe in and have a little like listen to. Um. Yeah, they're not Joe Rogan four-hour style podcasts. They are nice, easy bite (laughs) style podcasts. Capacity for that? (laughs) No. Um.
1: Cool. Thank you. Thank you so.